The next day, Kai and Sophia were desperate to get back to Aralan, and they were desperate to meet Zula and help out with the animals. They had managed to get their mums to agree to a play date, and after lunch, Sophia went to Kai's house. As soon as Sophia arrived, she flung off her shoes and the two of them ran upstairs. They went into Kai's bedroom and they put the duvet above their heads like a little tent. And when they were quite sure that nobody was listening, they opened the book and there in the half-light they stared and stared and stared at the picture of the castle. It didn't take long this time. Sophia knew what to do. And there they were, back at the castle gates. The two children ran up the gravel path and, and into the castle. Kester, they called. Hello, we're here. But there was no response. Hmm, that's strange, said Kai. He's normally about somewhere. Let's go and have a look round by the stables. And so the two of them went past the dovecot, and they looked in the garden sheds, and then in the stables. It was in the stable that they came across their first clue as to where Kester might be. Above their heads in the hayloft, they heard a sound. Their ears led them up the rickety ladder to the top of the hayloft, and there they saw nestled in a little nest made of hay, Kester fast asleep. He twitched and twittered as he dreamt, and it made the children giggle. What should we do? whispered Sophia. Should we wake him up? I don't know, said Kai. Maybe if we just talk really loudly, he might wake up anyway. So said Sophia. What a lovely day it is here in Araland today. The sun shining and everything. Yes, said Kai. It's a lovely day. Their noise made Kester stir. <coughs> oh, hello. Oh, oh, I was right in a dream. Oh dear, where am I? I must have nodded off, he said, looking around him and stretching. Good afternoon, said Sophia, with a twinkle. We're sorry we woke you, Kester, said Kai. It looked like you were having a very nice sleep. Well, uh, judging by that sun in that sky, he said, peeking through the gap in the door, it's about time I got up. Please can you show us the way to Zula, said Kai. Oh, yeah, of course I can, he said, still yawning and stretching. Follow me. He led them into the castle kitchen and he handed them a bag full of homemade goodies. Right, it's this way, he said, and he took them out of the castle again. And he took them out of the castle grounds and headed them towards the woods. They followed Kester as he led them into the thick bush. The jungle vines rose up either side of them and there was a small, tiny, beaten-out path that led the way. Right, he said, this is as far as I'll come. Follow it and stay on this path. You'll eventually come to a crossroad and when you get there, take the road that leads towards the sun. Very important, that. Okay, they said, the path that leads towards the sun. Toodaloo, then he said, and he set off back down the path. It didn't take long for him to disappear out of sight, being as small as he was. They looked at the path in front of them, and they couldn't see very far, 
for the path twisted and turned through the thick leafy jungle. They did eventually come to the crossroad. They looked one way and the forest looked dark and menacing. But when they looked the other way, they saw shafts of light coming through the trees. It must be this way, said Kai, and Sophia agreed. So they took the path that led towards the light. Not long had they been on the sunny path when they saw in front of them the rooftops of barns. That must be it, said Kai, and they quickened their pace. They arrived at a little gate made of sticks, and in front of them was a farmyard with an earthen floor. They wanted to be polite, and they didn't want to go in without warning her. After all, she didn't know they were coming. Hello, they said. Is there anyone here? They did hear a clattering and a clanging in one of the barns. From where the clattering and clanging was coming from, they soon saw a little lady appear. She was smaller than Kester, but she too had plump, rosy cheeks and a warming smile. Hello, she said. Who are you? What are you doing here? Hello, called Kai over the gate. Your brother, Kester, he's a friend of ours. He sent us here. Oh, Kester, she said. He sent you here. Oh, he's good, he is. I normally go visit him about this time, but he knows sometimes I can't make it because I'm so busy. Yes, said Sophia, and, and he suggested maybe we could be of some help. Well, don't just stand there, she said. Come right in. I can always do with help. I'm Zula, she said, but my brother Kester's probably already told you that, hasn't he? And who are you? I'm Kai, said Kai, and this is my good friend Sophia. Hello, said Sophia, and she waved. Well, welcome to my animal sanctuary, said Zula. I've been ever so busy, she said. The last couple of weeks, the more I've taken so much of the territory, that I've been inundated with little animals. Plus, I've got this unicorn in at the moment with a poorly foot, and no matter how hard I try and help it, I just can't. It's too shy. Well, I hope I'm not rude, said Zula, if I put you to work straight away. Of course not, said Sophia and Kai. What can we do? I've run out of balm, said Zula. Well, I've run out of my wax that goes in my balm. Balm is a really important ointment, especially for some of the animals. If you go back out the gate you came in and follow the path up round the craggy rocks, there you'll find the harmony bees. They're ever so kind and they give me their wax. And I tell you, there's something in that wax that is absolutely magical. Off you go then, she said, and she thrust a little basket into their hands. They walked out of the gate and up the path. The path went on for a long time, but they did eventually come to a craggy rock. And when they came around the rock, there was no mistaking that they had found the harmony bees. Now harmony bees look a lot like regular bees, but they don't sound like them. They hum in a chorus that fills the air with such resonance. Some bees hum on a low note and some on a higher note, and some on the notes in between. Together they create a resounding chord that vibrates through you as you stand and listen. After standing wide-eyed and open-eared, watching the bees at work, they realise they better ask them for some wax. I do, said Guy. How do you ask a bee for some wax? I can't just take it. Just ask, said Sophia. See what happens. 
Excuse me, said Kai. Zula from the animal sanctuary has asked if you could kindly give her some wax for the animals, he said. After he had made his request, the bees all changed the notes in which they were humming on. Then the bees got busy to work. Swirling and swarming, they buzzed in unison. Well, something's happening, said Kai, and I hope it's good. This swarm of bees looked like a black mass as it came towards them. For a short moment, Kai didn't know whether they should run and hide. But the noise the bees were making was lovely and calm, and that helped him to hold his nerve. The big mass of bees lowered down towards their feet, and then the bees flew away and went back to their flowers and moss. Sophia and Kai looked at their feet and there was a big lump of golden wax. Thank you, Sophia called, and they picked it up. It was gooey and warm, and it smelt amazing. When they arrived back at the sanctuary, Zula saw them. Oh, how wonderful, she said. Thank you so much. And she let them in through the gate. Right, do you want to help me make the palm? She said. Yes, please, said Sophia. She was very interested. Zula took them into a little workshop that had in it a kitchen and shelves and shelves and shelves of oils and herbs and ointments. Right, take a scoop of this, she said, and she pointed to a big pot full of nut oil. And then add me a wax. She showed them just the right amount. They added together the nut oil and the wax and they put it on the stove in a little cast iron pot. Soon the lumps of wax and oil melted down into a liquid and Zula began shuffling through the little glass jars on her shelves. Right, the best bit of the balm is adding the oils, she said. You see, I add all sorts of essential oils. Different ones have different medicine properties. It's never the same because the seasons aren't the same and the animals aren't the same either. I've got to use my intuition. Here, why don't you have a go, she said. She began screwing the lids off some of the pots and sniffing them and then thrusting them under the noses of Kai and Sophia, asking them to sniff too. So what do you think, she'd say, after showing them. Do you think that's a good one or not? To begin with, Kai and Sophia felt a bit shy to decide whether they thought the smells were good or not. They didn't want to choose the wrong one and make the animals poorly. But when they saw Zula work, they realised it wasn't precise. You had to use your intuition. That's how the balm came out the best. While the balm was setting on the side, Zula started already on the next task. Right, she said, now we've got to feed all those animals. Come along then, she said, and she took them into a big barn full of huge big sacks filled with different types of grain. A scoop from each sack into this bucket, please, she said, and she handed them both a scoop. They did as she said and they began to scoop one scoop from each of the sacks of grain. But as they were doing this, they heard a noise in one of the sacks. Oh, said Zula, it's one of those cheeky scuffle again, I'm telling you. 
I had a whole family of them in the other week. Their homes had been destroyed up on the tree line. And you know what? Even though they're better now, whenever they get the chance, they sneak in here and they have some seconds. Get out of here, she said. And she scooped into the sack and brought out a scufflehog. It was a sweet little creature. The best way to describe it would be, well, it was like a hedgehog. But instead of spikes, it had fluffy sheep-like wool all over its back. It chomped and munched and chattered as she picked it out, and its cheeks were so full it looked like it had a golf ball in either side. After a bit of a giggle, they carried on with their work, and they finally managed to fill up the bucket with grain. Once the buckets were full, Zula showed them how to add melted nut oil to that, and then they would scoop spoonfuls of this mixture into moulds, and that too would set. When those have hardened up, she said, we can give them to the animals. But let's go check on that barn of ours. The three of them walked out of the grain barn and back to the workshop. But when they were halfway across the farmyard, they heard a thumping and banging from inside the barn. What's that? said Sophia. She looked worried, like maybe it was a monster or a beast waiting to break out. All that, said Zula, that is that unicorn I was going on about. It's got a massive thorn in its foot, but there's nothing I can do. Every time I try and help it, it goes crazy. Can I have a look? asked Sophia. She'd always dreamed of meeting a real unicorn, and she could hardly believe it was true. By all means, said Zula, come this way. Zula took them to the main barn. It was a big, open, empty barn, and as they approached the gate, the unicorn ran off and hid in the corner. It looked scared and worried, and Azula climbed over the gate. It began to rear and whinny and bolt all around the barn. Sophia and Kai stayed at the gate watching. They could see how impossible it was for Zula to catch this beast. Every time the unicorn calmed down, Zula would take one small step towards it, and it would start off again rearing and bolting and racing around the room. It ran with a limp, and they could see the thorn sticking out of its hoof. After a while, Zula gave up and she came back over the gate. I just don't know what to do, she said. I've even tried sneaking in here while it's asleep, but it can tell I'm coming. They're strange beasts, these unicorns. As Sophia watched, she felt sorry for the unicorn. And then, out of nowhere, as though her mouth was talking for her, she said, Could I have a go? Zula looked surprised. Of course you can, love, she said, but be careful. You've seen how wild it is. I will be careful, said Sophia. I don't mean to be rude, said Sophia, but can you two go away? If there's anything I've learned from the horses at the stable near my house, is that too many people around can scare them. Yes, not a problem, said Zula. And Zula and Kai went back to check on the barn they had made earlier. Sophia walked into the middle of the barn, and then she stood there completely still and completely silent. The unicorn did bolt and rear and whinny and race around on its lame foot, but Sophia did nothing. She stood absolutely still. Sophia knew that the one thing she had to do was to stay calm herself. After a while of racing and rearing and hobbling and whinnying, the unicorn slowed down and looked at her. And when Sophia did not move, and did not say anything, it felt her calm. The unicorn was drawn to her calm, and after a while, it came closer and sniffed her. 
Sophia did not move a muscle. She breathed gently and deeply and calmly, and the unicorn became comfortable next to her. And only when she could see that the unicorn was really calm and trusted her did she whisper, Hello, unicorn. I'm Sophia, and I'm here to help you. The unicorn did not bolt and run away. It listened. Unicorn, she said. I'm going to very carefully and very slowly bend down and take that thorn out of your foot. Will you let me do that, she said. The unicorn nuzzled her with its nose. And so very, very carefully and slowly and gently she bent down and she held the unicorn's foot by the tuft of hair on the back. And then very gently and very carefully she pulled out the thorn. The unicorn flinched, but it didn't run away. Instead, it leaned into Sophia and rested its head on her shoulder. Come on, said Sophia. Let's go and find Zula and let her know you're okay. The unicorn followed Sophia like it was her pet horse. She opened the barn gates and led it across the yard. They could hear Zula and Kai wrestling with scuffle hogs again, but their tussling stopped when they heard the clunking of hooves on the earthen floor. Zula came running to the grain store entrance. I don't believe it, she said. Have you done it? What do we do with it now? said Sophia. Where does the unicorn live? Well... If it's all better, we let it go. Do you want to do the honours? She said. Yes, please, said Sophia. Right, well, open the gate to the farmyard and say your farewells. Sophia went up to the little stick gate and she opened it. Goodbye, unicorn, she said. And with a flurry of hooves, the unicorn raced out and disappeared into the woods. Right said Zula. I can't thank you enough for your help. You've been brilliant today. You better get back along that path before it gets dark. Send my love to my brother, won't you? And tell him I'm fine. I'm just a bit inundated. Tell him I can come next week. Now you've looked after that unicorn for me. They thanked Zula and they waved goodbye and they walked down the path, past the crossroads and back to the kinder castle. When they got back to the castle, again they couldn't find Kester and again their ears led them to the hayloft. Once again, he was there, snoring away. And twittering in his dreams. I think we'll let him sleep, said Guy. We can come and see him tomorrow.